So, Pete, what are we talking about today? Well, Kev, I thought we would do a treat for all of your children. Um, and so I dug up those old books that traumatized me as a kid, and I'm going to share them with you and your kids and then leave so you have to deal with the fallout. All right, well, I'm done with the podcast. Goodbye. No, Kev, but all this scary stories, spooky stuff. Come back. Welcome to Fearless Films. Fearless Films is a podcast for a horror movie buff. That's me. Breaks down scary movies for scaredy cats, which is me, so that you don't have to watch the movies, even though they're going to torment my waking nightmares and my kids, too. I told you not to go after my family, Pete. All right, calm down, Harrison Ford. All right. Oh, my family. Where's my family? I didn't I didn't take you hostage on Air Force One, so you can just relax. Uh, so I remember these because <clears throat> this is my first foray into nope, not going to touch that. Scary stories to tell in the dark, right? That is correct. It was either that or Goosebumps. Nah, Goosebumps isn't scary enough. It wasn't scared. I wa- I read like three Goosebumps, and I'm like, well, I'm good. And then somebody's like, what about these? And I'm like, oh, oh, hell no. Yeah, Scary Stories came with those terribly wonderful illustrations. Yeah. I the, the, I still, the head out of the ground one, like, <laughs> was he smoking? I don't remember. That's all I remember. <laughs> then I stopped. My, my mind just blanks out after that. Yes. <laughs> So for anyone wondering, there was a trilogy of books from way back when. when there we were, were three of them? Oh, yeah. Called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by author Alvin Schwartz. And uh, they're all. Help. Yeah, they're all just a collection of like folklore and, and spooky stories that the author put together. Um, included for with kids. These... He put them together for kids. Yes. And they had these creepy illustrations that were just nightmare fuel. It was not great. I didn't have to read the books. I just would be walking through the library and it would come upon me. I was attacked by this image and be like, wow, I can't get that out of my brain forever. So, of course, uh, it only was a matter of time before somebody in Hollywood decided, let's make a movie out of this. And they did. That's a long matter of time. That is true. We're talking about our childhood uh, back in the 90s, I want to say. They're actually and, older than that, though. The books were printed in the 80s. In the 80s? Well, that makes sense. If they were, you know, prolific in the 90s, they probably started their run in the 80s and then were yeah. pretty much in all the schools by the 90s because people were mean to us when we were children. <laughs> and so it took them until now, 30 years later, to make this movie. But I guess that makes sense because, like, who's the audience? It's going to be us, right? That's right. And take your ki- take your kids. It's a whole family affair. Take your kids to see these. Yes, the movie came out in 2019 and it was directed by Andre Ovredal. Ovredal. He's Norwegian, Kev. Well, really? I couldn't have guessed. Yeah, I bet he loves Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice time of the year. He's also the director of such movies know, uh, as Troll Hunter, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and upcoming, he's working on a Stephen King adaptation of the short story, The Long Walk. Um, back to Troll Hunter. That sounds familiar. Uh, it is a found footage film about a group of people investigating a man who purports to hunt trolls in the Norwegian mountainous area. Never mind. Not what I was thinking about. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So the 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 current movie, Scary Stories, came out to when do you tell these scary stories? Uh, in the dark. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, or in movie theaters now. <laughs> but I mean, it's pretty dark in movie theaters. It is. That's a good point. But it came out to uh, positive reviews, and on a twenty-eight million dollar budget, it made a hundred and five million dollars. So guess what? We're getting a sequel. Of course. Well, I mean. There, this is a trilogy of books. How many of these scary stories did they actually do in the, the movie? Uh, like four of them, three or four. Okay, but how many, how many are actually in the books? I don't like, I don't know. Oh, any of like these dozens. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's actually a good thing for me to add on right now is the movie I would describe as sort of a semi anthology film. So unlike Creepshow, which we reviewed earlier in the month, this isn't a series of unconnected stories. Um, there is like a through line in the plot with like the same main characters 
doing stuff, but they keep getting attacked by different creatures that are coming out of these individual stories from a haunted book. Okay, so it isn't the actual stories. We're not seeing a video version of these stories that we read or didn't read as children. It's like a weird Jumanji type situation where the book's in the movie and we see the book uh, acting upon the characters in the movie or something. Wow, Kev, I didn't even think about about that, but that is the perfect description. Yes, it is a Jumanji horror movie. I mean, I'm a very uh, intelligent and well-spoken theater enthusiast, so that makes sense. Wow, you're pretty cool, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so this is this is is that does that make it worse uh, or better? What what do you think in comparison with the book? I liked it. I thought they strung it together pretty well, but it, it, I mean, it could have worked just fine if they had just done an anthology um, like creep show. Eh, I don't know. I was pretty bored. You didn't watch it. I mean, listening to you recount uh, creep show. <gasps> How dare you? My feelings are hurt and that's not a nice thing to do. So anyway, I'm going to scare you now. Great. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> You want to hear about the movie? Sure. All right, let's get into it. So, this is a period piece. We open on Halloween night, 1968. They were so close. They could have made so many dank memes after this. <laughs> I also found this pretty refreshing, Kev, because we've we've reviewed too many movies that take place like that start a week before Halloween and then work their way up to it. It's pretty refreshing to have a movie that starts on Halloween. I mean, for all we know that this could be building up to current day Halloween and it's actually just started years beforehand. Oh no, I couldn't there handle is, that. It is a slow build up to current day Halloween. Uh, but we focus on the town of Mill Valley, Pennsylvania. And the stars of this movie are three teenage friends, uh, Stella, Augie, and Chuck. Stella! Stella! I'm sorry, Augie? Uh, it is a common nickname for the name August. Is it? It's, uh, yes, I guess. Because the <laughs> first time I heard it was in the past like year or so. <laughs> Don't lie to me, Pete. <laughs> Oh, it's very common all over the place. We walk out of town and it's, oh, hey, Augie, Augie, what's up, Augie? No. You know, you're going to upset viewers who may or may not be named August. Who's named August? People in movies I watch. (laughs) (laughs) So the three friends are plotting their revenge against uh, a bully. named August Augie? No, against the school bully who torments them a boy named tommy milner oh i know what you have to do drive him crazy get him to kill his friends then push him down a well new stephen king calm down (laughs) uh what they do instead is they they set this up beforehand but they're walking down the street on halloween night he comes driving by with his gang of goons gang of goons they know he's gonna like drive by and steal their their bags of trick-or-treat candy so they 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 set a little trap for him so his his it friends was filled with bombs. No live grenades. No, when they steal the candy bags and then open them in the car, they f- they find out that the bags are full of poop. Oh, I was hoping for bees. <laughs> Just uh, the... bees. Uh, but no. So that's gross. And then the three friends egg his car, and the piece de resistance is they light a lunch bag also full of poop on fire and throw it through the window and it lands in his lap as he's driving and he immediately crashes into a fence okay well he they just murdered this person yeah so we escalated from prank to assault yeah straight really quickly (laughs) here's an improvised molotov cocktail on your lap while operating motor vehicle have fun hijinks a little intense so the f- three friends run when he gets out of the car and starts chasing them, and they end oh, up... Oh, he's alive, so that's good. Yeah, they end up at the local drive-in movie theater, and they run up to this... There's this one kid who's sitting alone in his car, and they like they beg him to like hide in his car, and he's like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm a nice guy. I'm lonely. I went to a movie by myself. <laughs> I need all the friends I can get. 
Well, here's where we get some info on him. He is a young man named Ramon. And earlier, like in the setup, like the title sequence of the movie, you see he was kind of getting harassed by suspicious cops because he's sort of a drifter. But more importantly, they're harassing him because it's 1968 and he's Spanish. Oh. And racism is bad. <laughs> is that was that the, the, the underlying theme or the overlying theme of this? It's just racism's bad. Pretty unsubtle theme, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So the kids hide with him and the employees of the drive-in kick out Tommy and his gang when they start causing trouble looking for the uh, the three kids. We get a quick little, you know, some character bits. We learn a little bit about each of the, the kids and, and Ramon. And Ramon and Stella have an instant liking to each other. So that's a budding romance. Oh, how old are these kids? Uh, seniors in high school, if I remember correctly. Okay, so they're all roughly the same age driving around all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They announce that the night isn't over yet, and they invite Ramon to come with them to the town's local haunted house and just, you know, poke around and, you know, probably vandalize some more stuff because that seems to be what they do. (laughs) (laughs) They tell Ramon that the history of the house is that it belonged to the Bellows family, who were like the founders of the town of Mill Valley. Uh, They tell Ramon the legend of the Bellows family and their house, which was that they had locked away their only daughter, daughter Sarah, in uh, in the basement. Like you do. I mean, kids can get annoying. The neighborhood kids would come and listen to her tell scary stories through the walls, which is weird because I'm like, from the basement? Very thin walls. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, what, would, what started happening is that these kids would never make it home and would just disappear. And after this happened enough times, once wasn't enough, I guess. <laughs> this, man, you know what? I'm really going to get miffed about this after six or seven kids disappear. The uh, families of the town formed a lynch mob and came for revenge. But by the time they got to the Bellows house, Sarah had already hanged herself. This is so pleasant. This is for kids, right? Yeah, that. Yep. This is the, the local kids legends they tell to each other to spook them. Spook them. Spook them. So they're poking around in the house and they find the room in the basement where this girl, Sarah, had been locked up by her family. Any reason why Sarah got locked up? Uh, We don't know yet. Her name too normal? Yes, that's it. (laughs) But that that bully Tommy had followed them to the house, unfortunately, and he shows up and he he starts like saying how he's going to beat them up and, and hurt them and stuff. And his girlfriend who is the older sister of Chuck, who's Chuck's older sister, she tells Tommy to just leave them be and not hurt them. So he gets annoyed by this, throws her literally into the basement with the three with the three friends and Ramon and locks all of them in there and then this just a, leaves. This is a really crappy relationship I'm seeing. Yeah. This is a theme in horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, romance is very dead in these movies. Um... I think uh, with their new friend, what they should probably do is start like an active military campaign. Um, that seems intense. No, no, like a, a maybe nothing as serious as that, but like a Blitzkrieg or something or a lighter Blitzkrieg, like a Blitzkrieg bop or so. <laughs> you know, Nope, I'm not following you down this path. I'm not letting you get this win because Ramon could totally do that. He'd take charge and run it straight through. Nope. I'm not helping you. <laughs> I just, I feel like they could just blitzkrieg their way right out of there. They could tear up the town until they have to be sedated, maybe. Run into a small graveyard for animals. I don't know. <laughs> wow, that was a good extra one you threw in at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't even talked think... about that movie yet. So, Ramon did. <laughs> So yeah, they're all locked in this basement. It's spooky. Uh, and That's they actually... It. Oh, there's the movie, guys. It's a spooky basement. It's a weak Don't movie. Don't get too scared. <laughs> but no, they actually end up finding a book that has all of the legendary stories that Sarah told the neighborhood kids within. She wasn't even that creative. She, she's just stealing them from this book. Her real sin was plagiarism. <laughs> 
But yeah, in a stroke of genius, like the girl of the group, Stella, she finds this book like in a corner, like no one else has realized yet. And she literally like conjures the spirit of this girl. And she's like, tell me a story, Sarah Bellows. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, hold on. Don't conjure spirits. Why are you doing this? (laughs) Exactly. Can we talk about the girlfriend at all? Uh, She's just there. Yeah, unfortunately, not as yeah. She's not happy about it, but she's there. <laughs> okay, her name is Ruth, by the way. If I didn't mention that, no, you didn't. Like you were like this girl who I don't care about doesn't <laughs> matter. She gets locked in a basement. So that's sorry, but yeah, like even after she conjures the spirit of Sarabella's, like this dark shadow goes over the room, and it's like, no, you've just doomed us all. Why would that's you do not- this? I just feel like you're you're not smart. At least get out of the basement first. Which they eventually find their way out, thankfully. Um, and they all... I wish Sarah had found her way out. That would have been a lot easier. <laughs> and they eventually get their way back to Ramon's car, which unfortunately has been vandalized and graffitied and damaged. So uh, he had been living out of his car and doesn't feel too safe about that anymore. So Stella invites him to sleep on a couch in her basement. I'm pretty upset because I can't remember any Ramon songs that have to do with uh, sleeping out of a That's car. That's enough so. with the Ramones. <laughs> so later on, Stella, being the inquisitive type that she is, opens no, up the book. being the, the crazy, like, chaos person that she is, let's just conjure spirits out of dead people's books. That's fine. Well, as I'm sure you're not surprised, she starts poking around in the book and reading stories. Of course she does. The weird part stories, at least, is it dark? Yes, they're all scary, and it is dark. Yes, good. I didn't want this title to be misleading. It is nighttime when she does this. So, the weird part is that she opens one page and it just has the title Harold at the top of the page, but there's nothing written on the page. That's just who owns the book, it's in the front page. You're just (laughs) like, This belongs to Harold. Given by grandma, loves and kisses. Congratulations on your first commencement. No. No? So before her eyes, the words start filling in on their own, which, you know, normal person would just shut the book and throw it across the room. She just keeps reading. Normal person wouldn't have taken this book out of the creepy basement, Pete. (laughs) Normal person would have been like, that's weird. Didn't lady hang herself here? Oh, you're right. I'm going to burn the house down. Thanks. (laughs) So the story starts detailing a a young man in a field on a farm and him being stalked by a scarecrow that has come to life. Is that one of the stories? Uh, It is from the original books from our real life. Yeah, you're going to have to tell me where this blends in to be like real life versus uh, the movie, because I don't know any of these stories. This is where it is. This is a story from the actual books. Okay. Now, what happens as she's reading this, we, the audience, are shown that the bully, Tommy, is back at home. He lives on his farm. And because he's come home so late, his parents force him to, like, go out and do some chore, even though it's the (laughs) middle of the night. So he goes into the cornfield and he runs across a scarecrow uh, named Harold that he constantly just, like, every. it's one of those things where it's, like, every time he walks by it, he'll, like, punch it in the face or something just because he's, like, a jerk kid. Why why is this girl dating him? Why is Ruth with him? He seems like he's know, got anger Carol. issues. But so yeah, as you would expect, as Stella is reading the story, it starts happening to Tommy in real life and the scarecrow gets up off of its post and starts stalking him through the cornfield. <laughs> stalking. I regret stalking so many things. He's stalking him through a cornfield. <laughs> All right. So, eventually as Tommy's trying to run away, it does one of those, you know, weird horror movie tropes where no matter which way he turns, he can't get out of the cornfield. Like everywhere is just another row of, of corn. There's nothing but corn and baseball players in here, guys. <laughs> so he takes the initiative and grabs a pitchfork and stabs Harold with it. You know, it's just like, might as well. If I can't get away from him, I'll fight him. Yeah. This does not work. Of course it doesn't. The man's made out of crows. Yeah, aren't people. So he just pulls the pitchfork out of himself and stabs Tommy with it. Yeah, you just gave him a weapon. That's all you did. Now, here's where it gets extra weird. Pulls the pitchfork yeah, cause, out. Because, you know, uh, Scarecrow's stalking pits, 
uh, kids in in cornfields where by the direction of a weird, creepy book fulfilling itself, a la Tom Riddle's journal, isn't weird enough. That's why I said extra weird, Kevin. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> so the the pitchfork is removed from Tommy, and he does not begin bleeding. Is he straw? Is he a straw man? Straw starts coming out of him. Ah, yeah, I called it straw man. But it gets worse than that because then straw just starts like erupting from his skin all over his body. That and feels, that sounds itchy. And he starts vomiting up straw. No, it's really gross, and it's one of those things that just makes you gag as you're watching it. Until eventually, he's overcome entirely and turns into a new Harold Scarecrow. He's, they're propagating. That's nice. I mean, I've heard crazy murderous scarecrows are an endangered species. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> of course, the next day, Tommy is reported missing and Stella and Ramon hear about it. So they go down to his farm to investigate because, you know, she read the story and she's like, "Uh oh, I hope what I'm thinking isn't what actually happened. But of course, they get to his farm. They go into the cornfield and they find a scarecrow wearing Tommy's clothing. Maybe Tommy just went insane, took off all his clothes, put on a scarecrow, and ran away naked. We can only hope? <laughs> That's a weird hope to have. So uh, Stella and Ramon tell the, the others, the group of friends, but they're skeptical, and they're not quite on board yet because it's still early in the movie, you know? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, th- it's pretty weird. Yeah. It's a pretty weird story to just show up with and be like, guys, this book read a story to me. And I turned your bully boyfriend into a scarecrow. (laughs) So next step, and to Stella's credit, the very next thing she does is she takes the book, goes back to the Bellows house, and puts it back where she found it. Nope, you burn that. That's what you do. You burn that. (laughs) Unfortunately, as soon as she gets back home, the book is waiting for her in her bedroom. So now we've got a cursed item trope to add to this movie, and she can't just get rid of the book. It follows her around. Fire. You get rid of anything with fire. <laughs> so that oh, night... Didn't that happen? Didn't we, I think that was in... Um, that movie. Are you? What, are you going to reference a horror movie you've never seen? No, it happened in... Oh, actually, I am going to reference a horror movie I haven't seen. Um, I just can't remember the name. Midsummer, the other one. Uh, hereditary? Yeah, didn't that happen in Hereditary? They tried to burn something, turned out real not bad for them? Oh, yeah, well, that was extra bad. Yeah, that burned a person. Yeah, don't do that. Sella, don't burn the book. (laughs) So that night, the book opens up and a new story starts writing itself and she can't help but read it. No, she can help but read it. She can help but read it. She could go get ice cream. (laughs) Listen, this is important. Can she or can she not get ice cream at this point? I don't Probably. Why does that matter, Kevin? (laughs) It matters. It's very important. You don't understand how horror movies work, Pete. Okay, sure. (laughs) So this new story is titled The Big Toe. And once again, this is a story from the actual books. And it appears that the main character is her friend, Augie. Augie, no! I mean, it's alright. He's had a good life. Not really. His name is Augie. So once again, she takes a step in the right direction, and as soon as she sees his name, she calls his house and is like, you need to be careful, the book's writing a story about you. And he's like, maybe you're just being crazy, you know? Like, he's not fully on board yet. Hey, Pete? Yeah? You ever call me up in the middle of the night and be like, I have this weird cursed item that's writing stories, and the next one's about you? I'm gonna just come and sit right next to you very quietly in an empty room. Don't come to me. Now, I'm going straight to you. You did this. You brought the book out. Uh, and also, uh, but, you're, you've got the one telling the story. I'm going to read over your shoulder to see what happens next. Thanks. Put me in danger. It was your fault. <laughs> you did it. So, Augie, who is home alone right now, is making dinner. Of course he is. He's eating a stew that he found in the fridge that he just assumes his parents made. <laughs> I mean, who else is going to make it? His mistake, as he's eating the stew, he he takes a big bite of something and it makes a weird crunch. So he pulls it out of his mouth and uh, it is a human being's big toe. Oh, no. Yes. So oh. the 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 monster of this story is the is soup. <laughs> basically, the zombified body of a woman who is who's now appears in his house and he just hears this ghoulish voice asking 
Who took my toe? I mean, you put it in soup, lady. <laughs> like, this sounds very much like entrapment, all right? You can't do that. You can't just be like, I'm going to put my toe in soup. And then when somebody eats soup because they like soup, I get mad at them for eating my toe. Like, this is her fault. It's on her. And she should realize her mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry she didn't follow the rules. So this this zombie woman who's like all desiccated and her, she's got no eyeballs and her eye sockets are all sunken in and dark. Um, very That's cool. What happens practical. when you break so, the rules, kids? Yeah, she starts stalking him around his house and he can't escape. Stalking? Yeah. No, it doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. Oh. So as a last ditch effort, Augie tries to hide under his bed. That's not a good point. What is he, five? Yeah, and a, a really effective take on this trope of, you know, hiding under the bed trope. He hears a noise and he pulls himself out from under the bed to look for what the noise was. Why? I, he's, he's a teenager, you know, they don't make good decisions. Okay, like, staying up too late and maybe, like, drinking when you're not supposed to, those are the not good decisions that teenagers make. Being inept when it comes to running away from a murderous zombie lady is not normally the mistakes that they're known for, Pete. <laughs> but yeah, so he doesn't see anything outside of his hiding spot, but when he pokes his head back under, the dead woman is waiting for him under the bed and grabs him. And then he, she eats his toe. No, she starts pulling him into the dark shadows underneath the bed, and he literally, like, is scratching at the floor as she's dragging him, which just, it looks like the most painful thing. Ugh, I'm shaking my hands just thinking about it. This is why I had a loft bed. <laughs> and yeah, he disappears as she literally pulls him into shadow. Oh, well. Yeah. I've always kind of wondered what happened, like, because you see a lot of people get pulled into shadows in horror, horror movies. I just wonder what's over there. Uh, probably just an empty void. They, somebody should make a movie about that. Uh, there's plenty, Kev. Like what they do in the shadows. <sighs> so, realizing that this book is just going to pick them off one by one, they take the next logical step, which you've been asking for this whole time. Burn it. And burn they, it. Burn they try it. to burn the book. Yeah. But being a tool of the devil, presumably, uh, it just simply doesn't burn. All right. They probably make sense. Yeah. Mount Doom. Mount Doom. They, Mount Doom. No, they Mount don't have any Doom. convenient volcanoes to throw it into. Oh, what kind of, what place is this? This is very uh, contrived, Pete. Yeah. No convenient volcanoes? Okay. <laughs> so the remaining survivor kids, which by now is Stella, Chuck, Ramon, and, and Ruth, are like, all right, if we can't destroy this thing, let's do some research into the Bellows family and maybe we can find some secret or something that can help us. But Ruth is like, I don't want any part of this. You're all crazy. And I just, she's basically trying to will herself to not believe it. Maybe it'll go away. So, so she just- hoping uh, to give herself like a teenage lobotomy. I remembered. Damn it. Uh, so Ruth just storms off and doesn't want to help them. So she's dead. Maybe eventually. We'll see. <laughs> but like she's here today but gone tomorrow <sighs> so the rest of them do some research they you know they hit the library they search the archives of the town look up old newspapers and stuff and they learn that uh following the death of sarah bellows a maid who worked at the house was fired and blamed for teaching the girl black magic the maid had a french name and she was a a a black woman, so presumably she was Haitian, is what they're hinting at. Oh, for yeah, so, I so, thought racism was bad. It is, and it was even worse back then. <laughs> uh, no, so the yeah, movies made now, and they're like, "Ooh, you know who the bad guy should be? A Haitian witch." Oh no, 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 they don't paint her as the bad guy. They paint her as the person that the rich white family blames on their troubles. Oh, I thought she <laughs> actually taught them taught her black magic. No, 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 that's just what they said, because they just needed a scapegoat. Okay, okay. The other weird thing they discover from looking up the history is that a, a year after Sarah died, her entire family disappeared. Just gone? Yep, just mysterious disappearances left Were there right. a lot of scarecrows around after <laughs> that? Maybe. Weird, I don't remember all these scarecrows in this house. But Stella has a brainstorm and she flips through the book of like the, the stories that were already there when she found it. 
and all of the names in those stories match up with the names of the Bellows family. Oh. Yeah. So, revenge, most likely. Served cold. Best dish. That... Wow, that just that was a mess of a sentence, but you you conveyed the whole thing. Good for you. Hey, messing a mess of a sentence conveying uh, an idea is pretty much what this podcast is, Pete. So. (laughs) So before they can do any more sleuthing, sleuthing or track down any more leads, another story starts writing. They all just run. Does everybody is everybody on board at this point? Everyone except Ruth, and guess who the new story is about? It, I mean, yeah, we all knew Ruth is going to die. So this new story is called The Red Spot, uh, and this will, if anyone who's read the original Scary Stories books, this is one of the ones that really creeps people out. Oh, great. I can't wait to hear about it. Thanks, Pete. So Ruth is at the school, because there's a school play going on that night that she's a part of. But uh, wait a minute, she's been out going around hanging out and she's been in a play that was opening that weekend. I've been in plays, especially high school plays. You have no time for anything. You barely have time for school the week before it. Well, Kev, this is once again, Hollywood not properly representing real life. Oh, I'm very upset. You think Hollywood, uh, a place full of actors would be able to represent school plays pretty well. Yeah, I'm sure that's high on their priority list. <laughs> So she excuses herself to the bathroom because she notices like a large zit on her cheek that wasn't there before. And of course, you can't can't be looking bad for the play. And, you know, teenagers. So they're constantly having to worry and deal with zits. But by the time she gets into the bathroom to look at it in the mirror, it has gotten even larger. Like it is overtaking her cheek. That's not great. So she starts poking at it and squeezing it, trying to just. I don't like this. Trying to deal with it the direct way. And. It bursts open and hundreds and thousands of tiny spiders emerge and start swarming all over her. Well, that's awesome. I'm having so much fun. This is great, Pete. So uh, she's freaking out, getting swarmed with these spiders. The rest of the group shows up in time and try to stu- like save her. And basically, like when they run in, they just see her freaking out um, and oh, yelling about no spiders. spiders. There's no yeah. spiders. Yeah, that's she's just yelling about spiders that not everyone can see. But the book's telling about spiders, right? Yes. So they know what's going on. Yep. But so they they do manage to save her through a convoluted whole sequence. Uh, they save her before she's killed and or dragged away into any darkness. They just hit her in the face a bunch of times with a paper towel. <laughs> no. So she they save her life. But Ruth is sort of left in a catatonic state and, like, taken away in an ambulance. So it's kind of a win? Nope. We're going to call that a Pyrrhic... We're going to call that a Pyrrhic victory. That's a a solid C-plus there. (laughs) Yeah, you passed. It wasn't pretty. It didn't go well. But, like, all right, you didn't fail. (laughs) But what about the play? Was she a lead? Can can the show go on, Pete? This is the important thing. That's not important, Kev. It was very important. All right, so I'm uh, pretty much I, I'm I'm grateful that I decided to just say no in school and not read these books from what I've been hearing. So that's great. Thank you for for reinforcing that, Pete. I think you should go back and visit them, Kevin. Nope. They're pretty exciting. Nah, <laughs> that's not me, son. Read them to your kids. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm big into Wayside School, Wayside Stories. Those are, those are great books for kids. That's good. If you want to dabble into the whole mysterious arts and witchcraft and stuff, well, then there's Harry Potter. You could do that. But not these. Definitely not these. I don't think anybody should have ever put these into kids' hands. And I think the ones who did should be tried for criminal acts. Listen, man, Dementor's got nothing on a zombie lady with missing toe. Oh, right. that's the the worst part of that one was the the biting the toe thing. Like I could deal with a zombie lady chasing me and wanting to kill me, but eating something and it's just a toe is just gross. Like a gray desiccated like, toe. Oh, I it was I in his say- mouth. I once ate like a chicken soup thing and it was very brothy, couldn't really see. And I, I I I took a bite of what I thought was was tofu and I was like, oh okay, so it's chicken and tofu. So no, it was just like a congealed glob of fat. 
And I still like throw up a little bit in my mouth when I rethink about that. <laughs> Let's change the subject to literally anything else but this. What are <laughs> we right. talking about in the future? Pete, what what are our next episodes? Well, seeing as how this is our last episode for the month of May, it is a good time to announce our June schedule. I mean, that would be good if, you know, otherwise they'd all be like, what are we doing? I'm lost and confused. That's fine. <laughs> you know, June is the beginning of the summer, so we're going to have more fun. We're going to do some more exciting, more, more, uh, more fun horror nope. movies, Kev. You fun don't believe a word I'm saying, do not you? Not at all. <laughs> Fun is not how you describe horror movies, Pete. <laughs> so uh, for the first week of June, we're going to be doing a, a 80s classic, the teen vampire movie, The Lost Boys. Wasn't that, wasn't that Peter Pan? It is a play on the Peter Pan thing. Yes. Good really? job. <laughs> it is an actual play on Peter Pan. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's about a, a family that moves to... Um, a small town in California, a coastal town, and they run into some uh, eternally youthful vampire kids who, well, not kids, but a gang who uh, wants them to join their ranks. Is Robin Williams in this one? Uh, no, this is a starring vehicle for the Corys, an 80s duo, uh, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. Oh, I know Corey Feldman. Yeah, they were in a bunch of 80s movies together while they were in, you know, like teen movies. Yeah. And this was their foray into horror. All right. What, what's next after that? Uh, after that, we're going to be jumping to a more modern movie. Uh, and that'll be the recently released Fantasy Island, which is based on a TV show from way back when that our parents would know about. Uh, and it's about plane, an island. Plane. Yeah, yeah. You know, the tr the 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 memes. It's about an island where people can go on vacation and their wildest fantasies will come true. But it it kind of also like teaches people a moral lesson. So it's kind of like a your fantasies suck and they're going to kill you. Yeah, it's kind of a twisted thing. So they, they made it into a horror movie because why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, after that, we'll be delving into the opening entry of the Saw series. The original, the first uh, I Saw know these movies. I thought you could use some excitement in your life, Kev. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted something really dark and dreary just to, you know, get you ready for the rest, which is fun in summer. Okay, you don't know how to have fun, Pete. I'm a twisted man. <laughs> All right, after that? After that, on my birthday week, we're going to be doing uh, something I've been excited to do since we started the podcast. Quick. The original, the classic... Summer camp horror movie, Friday the 13th. Who's that? What's that? It's Jason. One of the oh, big... Oh, the hockey the, mask guy. Yeah, one of the big... This was like the first big slasher immediately following Halloween. Man, I can't wait. I had so much fun with Halloween. I hope <laughs> there's a weird drunk in it as the main character. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Tom Atkins does not star in the first Friday the 13th. I'm sorry. Pretty upsetting. And then after that, to Doesn't wrap it up, have a, 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 a Captain Jack in it. What? Does it have? Uh, who played Captain Jack? Jack no, Sparrow. you're thinking of Johnny Depp in in yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. I knew he was in some horror movie. Yeah, good for See, you. I you know horror. Points. I know horror. You know Captain Jack. I didn't even remember Johnny Depp's name. And then finally, for the last week of June, we are going to be doing a creepy crawly uh, monster movie, uh, Arachnophobia. Oh, great. It's spiders. Spiders everywhere, Kev. Mm. Swarms of spiders. Our new Wouldn't favorite thing. that in Eight-Legged Freaks? Uh, no, this predates Eight-Legged Freaks by a, a good amount of years. Uh, that's the only other spider mo movie I know besides... Uh... Um, wild Wild West. <laughs> but not to worry, arachnophobia is, it's a bit on the horror comedy side of things. It does have some um, humor Don't to it. Don't believe that exists. <laughs> it stars John Goodman. Ooh, good Johnman. Nope. Is he good still try. doing anything? Yes, of course he is. I don't know. But yeah, that is our uh, schedule for the month of June, and I'm very excited about it. Yay. Oh. 
if uh, folks at home want to contact us and give us their own suggestions about movies we can review, how can they reach us? Uh, if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can just email us or at fearlessfilmspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, a lot of people uh, just post on our Facebook page. We're just Fearless Films Podcast at Facebook. But if you want to kind of follow along and keep up to date with what we're doing and any more new news and everything like that, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Fearless Films Pod, or you can follow us on Instagram. We're uh, doing a lot more on Instagram now. That's Fearless Films Podcast. So you can just find us pretty much any, a lot of social medias. Uh, we, we've got some active presence there. As long as you search, uh, we, if you find one, we'll have links to the other ones in all of them so you can just find us there and let us know what you think kind of follow along give us a like we'd love to hear from you uh if you want to listen to our stuff where can you find out where to listen to us pete well we are wherever you find good podcasts we're on all the major podcast apps including apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts and many more many more just search up the podcast name Fearless Films and you'll find us. We got a little happy skull as our logo. Yeah. Still haven't named him, though. Nope. That's another thing you can write in if you want to give us a nickname for the happy skull that is our logo. We're taking suggestions. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's see what other dumb decisions these kids make to get the, themselves killed. Hey, man, they are kids. They are kids. They're teenagers. They should know a little bit better than this. No, that's when your hormones kick in and you just make dumber decisions. Uh, well, at least Augie is out of his misery as being named Augie, so that's good. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. Augie. Okay, oh, Pete, so... What are we talking about today? <laughs> We're going to talk about the remaining teenagers who have yet to have been picked off by an evil book. It's weird. Like, if you had to tell me, like, oh, hey, who's the big bad guy in this? Is it a guy with a big hook for a hand or a chainsaw? Maybe some weird, like, alien thing that's going to rip your face off? And you're like, no, nah, it's a book. But it writes stories at you. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, coming second only to the Necronomicon for terrifying books. Wow, you're a big nerd. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the group follows. I up don't on know their... what the Necronomicon is because I date women and play football. You date. You're married. I hope you're not still dating women. <laughs> ah, Ridden doesn't listen to this podcast. It's fine. It's true. All right. So the Scooby Gang continues to do their Scooby Doo investigation. That would be an interesting. Put the Scooby Doo in, in like an actual horror movie and see how they fare. <laughs> and they track down the now elderly maid who had been uh, fired from the Bellows family. Yep. She's like ninety or a hundred at some point or something real, now. Real lucky that they uh, <laughs> they got here when they did. Yeah. Uh, and this woman's she's just being cared for by her uh, her daughter, um, and she's kind of out of it when they find her. But her daughter does give her them some helpful information, including that the legends are false, and Sarah Bellis did not hang herself in her own home when the mob came for her. She actually died in a mental institution that she was um, committed to. Surprise! So then the group does an investigation into this mental institution. And they Ooh, go there. I know this one. It has like a weird guy in it, and they're they got a, a kid who killed his family in there, and they were he's real messed up, and then he just like steals a car and gets away. And kills some babysitters. Sure, why not? I like this tie-in. This works. It's the same <laughs> universe. <laughs> um, but no, so they go to this hospital after doing some research on it, and they discover some more fascinating secrets that the urban legends of the town never said including um, that Sarah was committed to this hospital as part of a cover-up by her family. The mill that they owned had been poisoning the town's water with mercury, and she knew about it and was going to reveal the truth, so they committed her to an institution and tortured her with electroshock therapy. Awesome. That sounds like fun. Yeah, totally normal reaction to things. <laughs> I mean, they're already well. Why would they weren't intentionally poisoning this this thing, right? It was just good old business. 
yes, but they also didn't care to stop poisoning the water. No, no, because that would interfere with their business. Yeah, it's all about business. It's all about them Benjamins. Is 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 that who it was on that bill at in the in, at that time period? I don't know. How much does money change? I don't know. Well, I mean, a lot. The twenties look very different now. <laughs> so, unfortunately, as I'm sure you're not surprised at this point, the book starts writing another story while they're at the hospital. Oh no! Are they carrying this book with them at least? Yes, yes, they yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, this time, it's Chuck who gets separated from Ramon and Stella. And he starts being stalked by this figure known as the Pale Lady, who is this large, white-skinned woman with long, dark hair and, like, a sort of inhuman face. It's hard to describe without showing you one of those creepy pictures, which I know you're not going to look up. No, I think I actually saw this when I first looked it up. It's, like, this weird... She's got, like, a very round, kind of doughy face, right? Yes, yes, that's the one. It's That's messed up. She looks, yeah, she looks messed up. Yeah, so she starts uh, haunting Chuck by doing the trope of he'll turn down a hallway and she's waiting for him. So he'll turn around and go down another hallway and she's waiting for him. You're really big into these tropes. I think you've used that word 17 times this episode. It is an important factor of the horror genre, Kev. Tropes are used over and over and over again. And it's like an homage uh, kind of? More more than that, it's just an embedded function of the genre. All right. So he keeps trying to run. He can't get away from her. And eventually she gets right up next to him and just embraces him in a hug, which is just really creepy on its own right. This sounds and, very much like some relationships I've had. <laughs> yeah, well, what happens next is even worse, is that she starts like holding him tighter and tighter and he starts being absorbed into her body. No, that's not great. Yep, until he is just completely vanished within her. That wait, they didn't Why did he Why was he away from them anyways? Um he was keeping watch while they broke into some restricted area and then like he had to dodge an orderly and he ended up like lost in some hallway. Cool. Well, that was great friendshipness there i guess <laughs> so now we're down to just stella and ramon stella who, as oh, they're trying... the romantic couple right yes yes and as they're trying to leave the hospital they are caught by the police who of course take them in for trespassing because that's what they were doing <laughs> i guess that's fair while he's holding them at the police station he looks up ramon and it is revealed why ramon is a drifter living out of his car he killed everybody. No. He is a draft dodger who was he was drafted to go to the Vietnam War and instead he just ran away. Oh, well, I mean it's not too bad, I guess. Yeah. It's better well, than killing everybody. So he gets thrown in a prison cell and Stella in a show of loyalty is like I'm not going to leave my friend. So she just gets locked up in a cell as well. Do they leave the book with them? Uh, it's in the next room over, yeah. This isn't... I just feel like this is not the smartest move they could have made. <laughs> so that night, weird stuff starts happening. Um, oh, does it? Yeah. Weird. So being That's a small surprising. town, it's just the police chief and his dog are there at the station with the two kids. Like, that's the he's the only person there. And the dog starts freaking out and, like, growling at the fireplace and getting all, like, scared and stuff. He hates fire. And uh, they hear this weird chanting of the phrase, me, Ty, Doty, Walker, which do not ask me to explain that phrase. I don't know what it means. Come on. You're the expert here, Pete. But Ramon, no, he recognizes those words uh, from a story that was told around campfires in his childhood, which scared him. And it is a, it is a story about the jangly man, not the jangly man. Yes. Who, is just a, are they just being mean to janitors now? No. <laughs> it's not about a man with a lot of keys. <laughs> um, the jangly man actually isn't from the books. Oh, come on! Yeah, but the things he does and the Me Tai Doty Walker chant are aspects from one of the stories in the book, so they just sort of incorporate it in there. But the way the jangly man gets into the police station is 
his body parts all separate and he throws them one by one down the fire, like down the chimney into the fireplace and they all land in just the main area. But do they jangle? No, they don't. There's no jingle jangles? No. Then what's the point, Pete? I don't know. Why do they call it the jangly man? Ask the writer. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to this person. He seems like a very disturbed individual. (laughs) So the jangly man reassembles himself right before the police chief's eyes. As jangles are wont to do. Yes. And he's like all misshapen and like contorted. His body doesn't go together properly. He's bad at reassembling himself. (laughs) You think that's his one talent and he's not even good at it? To the police officer's credit, I really love this part of the movie. Without hesitation, he just unloads his revolver all six shots into this thing. That is a smart move, sir. Like, Probably no other effective. reaction, just shoots it. It obviously doesn't do anything, because horror movie. Yep. And the jangling man... the least effective things. The jangling man takes him out immediately by just snapping his neck. Oh. Yeah. Did the neck jangle? No. Listen, I'm just trying to grasp this grasp at straws here, all right? There's, there's no straws to grasp, Kev. No, well, maybe in the first story there were. Uh, you get it? A man got murdered by a pitchfork. Yeah, I'm moving on. <laughs> so the jangling man parents didn't. starts trying to wow, starts trying to get at the kids by literally like forcing his himself through the bars of the cells, like just pushing his body through it, like bone cracking and everything. No, they just get him through and then they lock the door and run out and uh, they've got him captured now. They win. Uh, that's essentially what they do. What? They managed... I was making a joke because that's a dumb choice. The keys had landed near the cell, so the Stella manages to grab them. They get out of their cells and they lock them behind them, but then he just squeezes through the bars again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what were they thinking would happen? So their new plan is they're going to split up. Oh my goodness. Stella is going to go to the Bellows house and try to deal with the ghost of Sarah Bellows face to face. And Ramon is going to distract the jangling man so she can get away. It's Stella's fault, all this, right? Yes, which she openly admits. She feels a lot of guilt about this. Oh, uh, good. I'm glad. So Ramon has this weird car chase sequence, which kind of upsets the flow of the movie. You got to get that action in for the kiddos. Yeah, he gets in a cop car and he's driving it away and the jangling man jumps on the hood and all that stuff. So he just like crashes it into a truck to crush the jangly man. But of course, this doesn't kill him. Was he like, get off my car? No, he's not Harrison Ford. <laughs> so the, he gets out of the car, uh, Ramon, and just runs to catch up with Stella and the jangly man follows. Jangling all the way. Uh, if only. <laughs> Maybe there's like bells on him or he's got a lot of necklaces. Not, he's actually not clothed at all. That's that's upsetting. This is a kid's yep. movie. No, it isn't a kid's movie. It's horror for kids. What was this movie rated, by the way? This movie's PG-13, Kev, so kids can see it. I mean, kind of. They, I'm pretty sure they were forcing this book on us in elementary school, so... They totally were. So they're saying nine-year-olds should be able to watch this thing. <laughs> so Stella makes it to the Bellows house. Stella... Because weird, because weird ghost magic. Of course, she gets there and it instantly reverts to how it was when the Bellows family lived there, and she starts having like this weird sort of like she's reliving Sarah Bellows' experiences, and she's like running around the house trying to hide from the family. All right, Sarah's Sarah's the good person in this one. I I kind of forgot. I I was still stuck on the fact that she might have been a Haitian witch, but that's not true. And, like, the family finds Stella slash Sarah and, like, grabs her. And they're, like, trying to, like, lock her in a room. And she's... Sarah, if you will. Yes. And it's this big, you know, terrifying thing for her. Stella? No. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ramon gets to the house afterwards. But when he gets in there, he's just stuck in the present day abandoned house form. And he finds the book, like, lying on the ground. And he's like, well, she's got to be here somewhere. Wow, the path is super racist. (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't even let him into the daydream whatever the wow but then the jangling man shows up and he's chasing ramon around the house so there's like two chases going on simultaneously in different time periods well, i thought uh stella sarah were already caught so we're fine there well yeah they're in the basement 
So Stella confronts Sarah's ghost. And hey, what are you her. doing? This is this is a dick move. <laughs> well, basically, she tells her, "I will tell everyone the real story of what actually happened to you to give you the justice you never got in life." Uh, just please stop murdering people. <laughs> if you could please stop killing all of my friends, that would be great. So Sarah, uh, so Stella, using her own blood, writes the story of what happened to Sarah Bellows in the book. No, that's uh, smart, I guess. Yeah. And so right as she finishes writing it, the ghost of Sarah Bellows like shrieks and vanishes and the jangly man falls apart and he vanishes right before he's about to like kill Ramon. I mean, I guess the best way for him to die is for him to fall apart. Yeah. And then Ramon and Stella are reunited and they're happy and we did it. We won. Hooray. I don't believe any of this. Well, I mean, it's kind of so the ending is thus. The ne- like, however, some short amount of time later, Ramon is seen accepting his enlistment and getting on a bus to go to boot camp or whatever and head off to the Vietnam War. Okay, I think I think he would have done better if he just stayed in town getting chased by the jangly man <laughs> but he says his goodbye to stella and they part ways and the the film ends with stella driving away with her father and a now recovered ruth who just has this gnarly scar across the side of her face Scarly. and they have the book and um they're driving away into the sunset and stella is narrating that she believes there's a way that they can rescue chuck and augie somehow oh so the the they're gonna go into the underdark there i guess like presumably that's what the sequel is gonna be about is them trying to save their friends from the darkness and they've what they've only got like two stories maybe two and a half that they covered out of three books worth of stories yeah so i guess they could just make like a whole 10 movie series about this huh (laughs) they can keep going as long as the money's coming in I'm not happy about that. It's encouraging kids into bad things. <laughs> into reading, Kevin? Nope. No, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> Reading's fine. There's tons of books out there they can read. Or, you know, they could play video games and rot their brains or something. Can't they just do one of those things? <laughs> yeah, that sounds what like a better going outside? That sounds like fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, I don't want to tell these stories anywhere much less in the dark (laughs) so what did you think of the movie i'm i was gonna ask if you watched it that's very dumb of me (laughs) (laughs) no kev i just guessed wow this is real good you read the book (laughs) no but seriously i i loved the movie i thought it was really cool um Mm. Mm. i don't know why we're friends (laughs) It was very well made, uh, very spooky, very effectively scary and disturbing when it wanted to be, which was often. But is that what kids should be seeing? Definitely. You got to get nope. them used to these things. I don't think you have to. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of good, uh, a lot of really good practical effects in the movie. Uh, I did tick a few points off because there was a few instances, and I confirmed this by watching the behind the scenes footage where they had people in practical, like, suits. Like, the Pale Lady was a practical outfit that somebody had to wear. But then they sort of, like, covered it up and touched it up with CGI, which made it look worse. Really? Yeah, which I always hate when they do that. Now, is that is that just a personal preference thing, though? I mean, it's like, when something's practical, it's really there. But when it's CG, it's like your brain the whole time is going, that's a computer effect. You know, like it kind of breaks the immersion because all you can think of is that's not real. I guess. I mean, I've never had a lot of people have a lot of problems with CGI stuff that I've never had. So I'm wondering how much of a personal preference it is versus empirical like. And to be clear, my problem isn't necessarily with the CG itself. It's with the fact that they made a practical effect. All right. And then just covered it up. Yeah. Even though there's other practical effects in the movie that they didn't. And it's like, why did you bother that? Like, what was the point? Yeah. But it's like, like, the CG looks good in the movie, so it's not like it bothered me too much anyway. So I'll give it that. But uh, yeah, it's real real good stuff. The effects are great, real scary. The the actors, the kid actors are all actually really good, which is uh, 
in many movies it's a hit or miss if kid That's, actors are yeah. going to be fun to watch but they're, they're all really good they feel like real teenagers and they feel like they actually were like close friends because they were all dumb <laughs> <laughs> the the direction was all really good the cinematography was nice and spooky dark good use of lighting uh good use of color I feel like you're just naming off things you learned in film class, Pete. I learned from you. <laughs> no, there but they're all, it's a really well-made movie. tones and the, the, the light balance was good. And <laughs> um, I will say, uh, um, thematically, this movie had a really weird obsession with talking about the Vietnam War. <laughs> which like, not I mean, only was like, happening at the time. Well, it's weird because it's like, yeah, it's like it it took place in 1968. So Vietnam was a big thing going on. But like it was one of the themes of the movie. Like I didn't mention it in my breakdown, but they bring up the Vietnam War over and over and over again throughout the film. And like they bring up Nixon as well because he was the president at the time. And it's just this through line that keeps popping up. And you're like, you really somebody's trying to say something in the writing room of this movie. Somebody and I don't really think, didn't like the Vietnam. I don't War. think any of the other writers were on board with this, <laughs> but it made it into the film anyway. <laughs> it's just this weird obsession with Vietnam, and I don't know, but it's it's weird and it's there, and it's kind of distracting, but in an amusing way. Did you find anything in research about why that may have been? I mean, not really, no. Just, it's there. Weird. <laughs> I guess they just really wanted to reinforce it for, like, the bit at the end where Ramon goes off to war. But so I don't know. is that going to be in Vietnam? I hope not, because that is, that's scarier than anything <laughs> that would have been in these books. Yeah, I, that's the other genre of movie I really don't like watching is war movies. I wonder why. <laughs> There's some time, they're, they're worse. <laughs> But yeah, um, I mean, just on a critique of the film, that's basically all I got to say. It's it's is a well-made film, very good, very entertaining, very scary, and with a weird obsession with Vietnam and Richard Nixon, <laughs> as you'd expect from a kid's spooky yeah, movie, you know? Of course, of course. You really got to get the political intrigue and the uh, the wartime drama going on in these kids' movies. So. <laughs> I guess, I guess that was the other thing that kind of confused me, too, about that whole through line was I'm watching this movie as a 30-something in 2019, but knowing that this movie is appealing to people younger than me. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, assumingly teenagers are going to see this movie. And what 16-year-old is watching Scary Stories in 2019 and being like, yeah, that's some really thoughtful uh, observations <laughs> about the Vietnam War. I'm like, what? They're so far removed from that. <laughs> They really care a lot about it, actually, Pete, you know? I guess. But yeah, that's all I got to say on that subject. Kevin, obviously, as we discussed, you knew about these books from our childhood and did didn't everything wanna. you could to avoid them. Didn't want to. So when you heard that they were making a movie out of these, uh, what did you think it was going to be like? Uh, did you have any inkling of what goes on in the books? No, none at all. I did think it was going to be more of a creep show style thing. Fair, um, fair assessment. But I, I didn't. I had nothing. I, uh, I, I didn't know anything about the books. The only thing I know is that weird. Hey, what's going on with that? Uh, that that head sticking out of the ground, smoking a corn pipe or whatever it is. That's that the only thing have, I remember. I'm trying to remember. That might have been the Me Tai Doty Walker story. Oh, really? Yeah, because in that in the book, it's just like a head rolls down the chimney and scares the person to death or whatever. You know, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the the toe and the stew thing was from a different story, and they just sort of amalgamed them together. Gross. Yeah. Why'd you have to bring that one up, Pete? <laughs> so I think it's safe to assume you wouldn't watch this movie, Kev? Oh, heck no. I'm <laughs> definitely not going to do it. I'm definitely gonna, not going to suggest my kids watch this. Like, that's, I think, the worst part about this is that people are like, no, it's great for kids. <laughs> it's very upsetting to me. I'm glad to have done my part in upsetting you this week. You know, people, I feel like people are getting together all day, every day, trying to upset me. So <laughs> who do you think should see this movie, Pete? My recommendation? Oddly enough, Kev, I'm going to have to agree with you here after, you know, watching the movie and reviewed it a second time. Nobody should see this movie. Not nobody, but it's really, it's, it's a good movie for teenagers, not for kids. <laughs> 
it mean, actually is a book pretty... was probably for teenagers too they just decided to foist it off into middle schools <laughs> well yeah it it actually is a, a fairly scary movie, and I think it would be a great thing for teenagers to go see and have a fun time with with their friends. That's very, very wrong. It's very wrong. Although I will say, if you're a teenager or older and you're not a horror fan, this would work for one of my uh, dipping your toe into horror movies uh, recommendations. Nope. Because no, it's not no. like super gory and bloody. It's not rated R. So you could watch it and make it through without you know losing your mind from fright. In terms of horror fans, I would recommend seeing it. It's a it's a fun little movie, and it's uh, pretty spooky. Fun is never a descriptive you use for these, Pete. It is for me. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it's odd, because in terms of recommending it, like, I, w- I recommended Gremlins to you, and we watched that together, and that's a, that's a silly, fun horror yeah, movie. Yeah, there was nothing. It was, I mean, people died in it, sure, but there was nothing horrific about it. Yeah, this is a legitimately, like, scary but fun horror movie. It's only really fun because I enjoyed the books as a kid. I was going to say, I feel like the nostalgia factor has to work really hard. In this. Yeah. But yeah, I would rate this like scarier than like gremlins, which was mostly comedy in terms of my recommendation. But yeah, that's, that's where I throw it. I think horror fans should see it. New people that are new to horror could use it as an introductory movie, but this would legitimately scare kids. I think. <laughs> I mean, just pulling up the images of them, I'm like, yeah, this is. I'm I'm not gonna show my kids or me this. <laughs> Kev, do you think there's a demographic, however, that would benefit from watching scary stories to tell in the dark? I think so. Yeah. Um, if you feel like, if you're like a kid, if you're feeling like a kid but you don't want to grow up, um, you feel like your brain is hanging upside down and you have a poisoned heart, and you just want to be sedated. I think you should take a uh, you should do the Cretan hop over to this movie because it could be here today, but gone tomorrow and just uh, bring somebody that you like that, you know, says to you, I want to be your boyfriend. I think that I think if you're if you're in that mindset, if you're vibing and what I'm picking up, I'm uh, putting down, then uh, this is the movie for you. Oh, oh, is that all, Kev? Do you have Do you have any more Ramon songs to to say at me? Uh, teenage Teenage lobotomy. Thanks. Uh, I'm really glad you worked that in there. <laughs> that one could have worked so well. I don't know where I put that. So, to all of the Ramones fans <laughs> in the audience today, uh, congratulations. <laughs> that one was for you. To everyone else who completely tuned out, <laughs> just know that I have to deal with this. Every week, you just need to learn to appreciate. I mean, what is like the 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 first, the best uh, punk rock out there? Your appreciation for music is noted, Kevin. <laughs> but thank thankfully for me, that's the end of the episode, and I'm getting the hell out of here. All right, Pete, you can go, but. Uh... Uh, just remember, if you're just on your way on your way out, just remember if you find yourself lost in a cornfield or you know trying to be hugged by a creepy pale lady, um, definitely don't eat any leftover soup, and do not get too scared. <laughs>